0: Hey, folks. If you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. It's pretty cool. You log on. If you want to choose a seat, you get a panoramic view from that spot, especially if you say you want to come see the Islanders and the Ducks on Saturday afternoon. for a little pre-Christmas action. It might be cool to see where you'll be sitting. Now GameTime is hooking up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account, then under the Billing section, redeem code the Athletic. Once again, that's the Athletic, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available for the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. Again, everybody. This is Arthur Staple, your Islanders beat writer from The Athletic. Welcome back to No Sleep Till Belmont, your Islanders athletic podcast. We're sitting here uh, up in the ceiling of a very empty Nassau Coliseum with uh, Islanders and Predators getting ready to get underway tonight. And uh, a couple of rivers away, doing his NHL network, fill it, filling the time between NHL network TV gigs, is uh, our able co host, Mr. Mark Parrish. What's going on, my friend? How are you doing, man? Ah, I'm great. I'm great. Um, you managed to come to the New York area when we've got a little snowy, icy, rainy day. So, good day to do a podcast. And uh, we've got lots of uh, stuff to discuss. A couple of new items on the docket, which uh, newsworthy, I guess. Um, Oliver Wallstrom heading out from Bridgeport to the World Junior Tournament for the, to play for the U.S. squad. Yep. Uh, which seems like a good move for a, uh, a young guy who... Got a little taste of, uh, of NHL life, but clearly seems like he's probably ready for a, a little change of scenery to, to get him to get his confidence back with no goals in his last 12 games in the AHL. And
1: it's an exciting time to go out there. I'm, having being lucky enough to be part of two of those World Junior Championships, uh, those are things you keep with you. Those are memories for a lifetime. And, and I love it. I, I always appreciate it when NHL teams allow their players to go back and play for their country. As, as much pride as you have as being an NHL player and, and making it to the big leagues, your country is a whole different ballgame. Pulling on your country's colors, pulling over the, pulling over my head the old red, white, and blue and that USA logo over my chest, That there's a certain amount of pride to that that never, ever, ever goes away. And the best part about it is he moves on and clearly he'll play in the NHL and he'll, he'll have a career. Uh, you're going to have friends like Brad Isbister that played for Team Canada and beat you in the gold medal game and hang it over your head forever. But those, that's fun. That, that, those are the things that you really look forward to. It's a spectacular event. It's a spectacular tournament. It's just like a, It's a mini Olympics. And you get a chance to play in those. That just helps build you as a person and as, as your hockey career moves on.
0: Yeah, and this will be his second one, so it's he's going in, uh, you know, not as kind of a fresh faced new addition, although he's he'd been part of the U.S. development program for a while before that. But uh, he's he kind of goes in as as the big dog, you know, on that U.S. team, which is a pretty good looking team right now. And Noah Dobson, uh, Lou Lamarillo said today, not going for Team Canada, and I don't know if it's Lou trying to put his thumb on the scale a little bit for the U.S. squad over there in the Czech Republic. Wouldn't put it past him, but I think genuinely, um, as something we talked about, Noah Dobson is is needed here. You know, even though he's not playing tonight, uh, Nick Letty's injury, I think, is a reminder that they don't have a ton of depth on D. Thomas Hickey still hurt in Bridgeport. Um, Sebastian Ajo probably not ready for prime time as far as the Under is concerned. They let, you know, Noah Dobson is is their number seven guy in the organization right now, and they want to have their best seven. So Noah Dobson doesn't get to go. Oliver Wallstrom does. um, And uh, you know, like you said, confidence building, bonding experience. He knows a lot of the guys over there, and you come back, uh, you know, likely with a medal, uh, maybe a gold over there in the Czech Republic. That'll be pretty exciting, and then you just jump right back into the to the uh, the AHL season and try to continue your development. It uh, it, it seems like an, a, a strange pause for people who are just fans of the pro game, but like you said, it's. It's important not just to represent your country, but but to get that mojo back a little bit after a, a bit of a struggle of a
1: year. Absolutely, and and the other thing too is a lot of people uh, when you got to look at it like from Lou's perspective or from from Snowy's perspective, when it came to Tavares getting hurt at the Olympics, their job. Right. Yes, Lou is Lou is a proud proud american as is garth of course they they want the world junior team they want to see the america bring home a gold medal no matter what the the tournament is but at the same time their job is right here their job is to make sure the new york honors have the best team they they have the best chance at, at winning hockey games and moving forward and winning a stanley cup and all that so obviously with that's that's a tough balance and i'm sure lou would have loved to have you know the, the you love to send guys over and get that experience and whatnot but first and foremost their job is to put the best team on the ice for the new york islanders and if noah dobson is part of that then it's actually kind of an easy decision as much as it's difficult as is an american it's an easy decision to make sure that they have the best team possible on the ice night in and night out for the new york islanders
0: so yes that's the uh that's kind of the, one of the, the co-headlines of the day. The other one, uh, which uh, which the player revealed a little bit himself on Instagram late last night and we got confirmed early this morning, Josh Hosang, uh, <laughs> the prodigal son, has returned in, in some form. He's um, headed to Bridgeport. He may already be there. Uh, I don't know if he'll be in the lineup tomorrow uh, when Bridgeport plays uh, their next game, but he will be playing for the Sound Tigers at some point in the near future. And it's 77 days away. Um, it, uh, it it's kind of one that that defies real explanation. That he was the la- essentially the last forward cut from camp, cleared waivers, and the next day through his agent requested a trade. Um, you know, I sat down with Lou Lamarillo uh, for a little Q and A in his office uh, earlier today, and I don't want to give too much away, but but I think the key point that he used when we were kind of digging a little bit more into the Hosang situation is that. Lou Lamarillo has been around a long time. He's not going to have players around that don't want to be part of the organization. And uh, whether you say Josh Hosang refused to report, not true. Lou told him to stay away, but I think asking for a trade is essentially refusing to report because you don't want to be part of the part of the organization anymore. So that's what kind of sent him into his exile back home in Toronto where he was training on his own. Um, and I guess after 77 days, Josh himself realized uh, there's only one way out of this and it's not staying away. <laughs> I got to go play somewhere and that somewhere is going to be Bridgeport. So he he took it upon himself to call Chris Lamarillo directly, the, the Bridgeport general manager and Islanders assistant general manager, asked if he could come back. Uh, Chris Lamarillo talked it over with Brent Thompson, the Bridgeport coach. They decided they were happy to have him. Uh, they cleared it with Lou, obviously, uh, and now he's back. And good timing because Oliver wallstrom being gone means they don't they're missing a top right wing on that roster and also um you know uh, you just shake your head I guess a little bit at what what could have been because he would have been back with the Islanders within a few days because Jordan Eberle went down for a month with a knee injury and if Josh were playing as well the first week in Bridgeport as he did throughout training camp it would have been a, a very easy decision to bring him back up but you know I, I think everybody's letting bygones be bygones for now and they'll see how he handles it, but but now that this saga, I guess, is is either over or into a new chapter.
1: <laughs> you you've been pretty incredulous, Mark, all along at what he's at his decisions. What do you think now? Uh, like I said, new. I I agree with the new chapter. This is a new chapter. Uh, uh, Josh has uh, learned the hard way that the rest of the NHL knows very well is don't mess with Lou. Uh, you know, he, he, he's got his mindset. He understands what it means to build, uh, not just a winning team, but a winning organization and a culture of, of people that obviously they want to be here. He's always taking care of his own. He loves taking care of guys that want to be there, want to be part of it. And if you don't want to be part of it, he just turns the page. And, and obviously Josh just realized that you can't, you can't just not play. There's nobody there's no trade value. There's no there's there's not really gonna help you out if you're not playing anywhere. And like you said, look at the opportunity he would have had so quickly had he just gone to Bridgeport, had he just be like, you know what, you know, you, you gotta play the team role. And, and and the only and the other thing too is not just that it just shows lure, it ticks off the organization, it it's a bad sign for everyone else. Like, wait a minute, is this guy gonna be this difficult to work with? Is 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 this guy a guy I wanna trade and all of a sudden he's gonna he's gonna complain, he's gonna moan and he's gonna bitch and moan about oh man, he's on the third line instead of the second line. It just sets a precedent that you just don't wanna deal with at the professional level. And it's about and and that being that about it's about being professional. Hey, right now you gotta go down. It happens to 80% eighty percent of the league it happens where hey you gotta go down, you gotta pay your dues, and eventually you'll get your opportunity, you'll get your chance. You know, don't burn bridges. All of those life lessons, those matter in the NHL world as well. And I like that and I I I, I would like to know whether it was he finally realized or his agent finally realized, like, hey, you're gonna have to make a phone call. This is not gonna come from me. This is good this is a little bit more personal. This is about being part of the team. You give a call. I like that he called uh, Chris Lamorello, I like that he called, spoke with Tom, or, you know, and then that's the way back in. But he's all he's done is backed up his own professional career by a few months by standing his ground and saying, No, I belong in the NHL and this is the way it's going to be and just trade me. Well, the other NHL teams see that too. So him sitting back and complaining and, and digging his heels in and more or less, in my opinion, being a baby about it has backed up his own career by this many months and you know not that I don't I don't know Josh all that well and not that he's a bad kid but you got to realize at that same point what message that sends not just to your team your teammates your organization but the rest of the NHL as well because who wants to trade for somebody that's just going to be a whiner, who's going to be difficult to deal with and who's just not going to act professionally
0: yeah and uh you know in talking to Lou a little bit today, I think Lou is still, you know, the, the jury's still out. He hasn't come back. He hasn't reported. He hasn't played. Um, there's two months until the trade deadline. He's as Josh essentially has that amount of time to either prove to the Islanders that he's yeah. he's back and he wants to be part of the program yeah. um, or to prove to another team that's scouting the AHL that this is a guy we're willing to take a flyer on and see if he can help us down the road. Now, you know, he's playing on, a, on essentially a one-year qualifying offer. Yep. he's going to be a restricted free agent again at the end of the year. He's not going to get more than this qualifying offer unless he comes in and sets the world on fire and somehow makes his <laughs> way back to the NHL either here or somewhere else. Right. So this, this is it. He's essentially yeah. signing for another, another two way deal at, at, you know, whatever it is, 900 yeah. over 85, uh, for, uh, you know, for a, a, a fifth year pro at this point. Um, so yeah, it, it became a bit of a head scratcher, as time went on. And I think, you know, whether people out there feel it's fair or not for Lou to just say, this is, this is how we operate. I, you know, it, like you said, you, you lose, not making, not bending the rules for a guy yeah. who, who hasn't really shown enough, you know, hasn't, and, it, and when I'm talking about goals and assists or anything like that, just shown enough from the, from the, from the professional side of, for sure. Uh, Acting like a pro and just yeah. sucking it up when, when things don't go your way. And it's uh it's, can be hard to do and 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 I think we've certainly talked about Josh Mott so far this year for a guy who hasn't been here all season. But yeah. he this is not this is not a bad person.
1: No, and the worst part is it's it's not now now it was there was always questions about like, well, can he be an NHL player? Just his game on the ice. You know, now it's well, his attitude. And that's you don't ever want those questions kind of going around or like, all right, well, yeah. it's not just his maybe his play on the ice, but how is this guy's attitude. And then that goes around quick. As you know, it's the NHL is a, a tight knit fraternity and, and, and word spreads, spreads quick. So now it's not like, well, maybe he's an NHL or maybe we could use this guy. But now it's, well, do we want to deal with this kind of attitude? Does he have an attitude? Things like that. And that's the stuff you just you never, ever, ever want out there.
0: That's the news on Josh Hosang. Now some news about DraftKings. The holiday season is here, and we know what that means for football fans. Bowl season. As in well over 30 bowl games before the championship game on January 6th. If that's not enough to get you excited, the playoff push is underway for the pros. Need even more? The DraftKings Sportsbook app can get you in on all that action and more 24-7, 365 days a year. With so much going on this week, they have great promotions running every day, especially this week. DraftKings is giving away eight days of sportsbook gifts this holiday season. Be sure to check out the promos tab in the DraftKings Sportsbook app each of the eight days leading up to Christmas to open your daily gift. You definitely won't want to miss what's in store for Christmas Day. With promos like these, it's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code QUICK. For a limited time, all new users can get a free bet when you sign up. Plus, when you make your first bet, you can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Don't forget, sign up with code QUICK to place your first bet and you can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Well, now we've uh, we've covered the the news, none of which really involves anybody that's here right now with the Islanders. and what's going on here is kind of the same as what's been going on all season long. This team just keeps on winning. You know, they they tore through Florida, um, and we, we kind of talked about the the Tampa game, which is you know seemed like uh, wasn't quite as, as quality a game as the five one final. Uh, their game in Florida, Thomas Grice made a big save at the end of that one to preserve a two one lead, but it, it looked a lot like their previous two games against the Panthers, where they they managed to get a lead. Um, the first game, I think they didn't hold on and then won in a shootout. But the last two were 2-1 down to the end of the game. And, um, you know, I think uh, when it's 2-1 or 1-1, that's that's the Islanders' wheelhouse, really. And they, there's yeah. no one better in the league right now at, at playing tight, close games late. Uh, and then they come back uh, to the Coliseum and play another game that's 2-1 against another Atlantic Division team in Buffalo that, uh, that just couldn't really get a whole lot going uh, at 5-on-5. Five five. And... Um, Matthew Barzell with a very ill-advised decision to throw a punch Oof. at Rasmus Dallin in the Oof. closing minutes. Jack Eichel ties it six on four. And then Anthony Beauvillier with one of the stranger OT shifts I've ever seen, where he collided a little bit with, with Sabres goalie Linus Omar who tried to sell an interference penalty. And then Bo went to go hit Jack Eichel, and Jack Eichel's a pretty solidly built young guy. <laughs> uh, and Beau flew off like, a, like Eichel was swatting away a bug. Uh, but Brock Nelson with a nice play as the Sabres enter the zone, and Bo hustling back, hustled back down the other way, breakaway, bar down, game over. So um, a lot to unpack in a couple of those games, but really let's start with Anthony Bovillia. That capped a three-point game for him on Saturday. This is a guy who we've talked about a little bit, but it it, it bears reinforcing that not only 10, 11, 21 in the 31 games, his, his career high is yeah. uh, 32 points, so he's probably <laughs> going to get past that.
1: But a, Just guy might. Who, Just might.
0: Yeah, a guy who has has made the top six, and it's not the most impressive top six around, but when they didn't go out and get anybody to add to that top six, whether it was Artemi Panarin or anybody else, this was the guy that you said, you look at the roster and say, he's the guy that's got to take the biggest step forward. Yeah. And so far, 10 goals in 31 games. Outside of Casey is probably their most tenacious four-checker. Plays the style. That Barry Trotz wants his guys to play, and he's still a very young guy. So you got to give a little bit more props to this to this kid for for stepping forward so far the first half of the season. One
1: hundred percent. You know when you you look at the uh, you know, the team, and like you said, they 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 want to maybe go out and get a top six player. Those guys are tough to find. Obviously, if Panarin is is a very special hockey player, and it would have been great to get him in the lineup, but more often than not, the majority of the league they don't get those players. So for them to succeed, they need to, oh, I hate to use the term, overachieve, but they need, they need their players and their organization like Beauvilliers uh, to step up and in everyone's mind, not necessarily their own, to overachieve. It reminds me of uh, uh, when a Jason Blake stepped up for the Islanders. Mm-hmm. Nobody really expected it. They're like, oh, we need another piece, we need another piece. And then all of a sudden Jason Blake comes out and has a, a huge year. For the Islanders, I'm like, oh, wait, we actually had that player right here. Now that he, whether it was he had a chip on his shoulder, whether he just gets the opportunity, whether he finally finds his game and has enough confidence to be that guy. That's what Beauvilliers reminds me of right now. When I watch him play, uh, he, he reminds me of that year that Jason Blake just stepped up and was just a beast. And all of a sudden we're like, wait a minute, we didn't need an extra guy. He was here this whole time. <laughs> Type of thing. So that's what I love to see about Beauvillier. And, yeah, you know, the the, the passion of the game. He's You know, you got to remember that Jack Eichel may not look that strong, but that dude's pretty sturdy on his feet. So you got to learn those lessons, too. That's the same thing I remember when I thought I had Timo Solani lined up. And I was going <laughs> to run him right over. And next thing I knew, I was just staring up at the lights. Oh, Nanaheim, and I'm where'd he go? You know that so those things happen, but the, the way he hustles, the way he gets back and then he gets an opportunity, uh, it's, it's not whether you uh, not necessarily that he made a mistake, but it's how you recover from things like that. The way he recovers, and then all of a sudden he gets his opportunity and boom, bar down, game over. Those are the steps you're looking at for a guy that in his career that is just realizing, realizing what he can actually bring to the table and realizing how good of a hockey player he truly is.
0: Yeah, and I, it looks like tonight they're going to go with the same kind of top nine that they've been going with. Um, so Derek Broussard back in the middle with, with Anders Lee and Jordan Everly, a line that, you know, it, by all rights should be better, but hasn't been that that great in terms of yeah. uh, you know, forechecking and cycling and the things that they need to get done. The line that I think has been the most interesting uh, is is Matthew Barzal between Josh Bailey and Ross Johnston. and Yeah. Um, you know, it was uh, it was definitely uh, an interesting one to see in that Buffalo game. Ross Johnston get crushed by Marco Scandella. And, a, a, you know, a borderline hit, but Johnston was kind of falling, and it, it looked, I think, a lot worse than it was where he kind of fell into the, into the yep. sideboards. Nine and times out comes... of ten,
1: that's exactly what it is. They do look yep. worse than they are. Yeah.
0: And so he's shaking them off, and here comes Josh Bailey, out of nowhere, jumps on top of Scandella. Probably lucky not to get an instigator. It ended up being four and two because it was more wrestling than anything else. I think maybe the refs were as surprised as the rest of us. Not that Josh Bailey isn't a great teammate and a guy who would do that and has fought, fought a couple times in his career. But kind of the role reversal. Yes, of... Yeah. is isn't, isn't that, isn't that what Ross is out there to do? <laughs> to make sure that the flies are kept off of his star center and 100%. his veteran star wing.
1: You nailed. So that's
0: it. yeah, that's uh, that was kind of a funny funny moment good that ross johnson was okay he missed a little bit of time but um but yeah Johnston as that presence there uh, it, it is interesting and I, I thought it would be more of a short-term thing and barry you know they've been winning uh and there definitely would be you know i think Johnston didn't really play too much in the second and third period on saturday they were kind of cycling through some other some other guys in that spot and i think that's the luxury that, that having him there affords you is that if somebody's going good from a different line that isn't going as good i think in this case it was andrews lee that that jumped up um, you can mix and match a little bit. But mm-hmm. uh, but Johnston's presence is is definitely something worth digging in on a little bit. Uh, you know, to have a guy who uh, has been an enforcer, really, and, and not the most elite player, uh, played just maybe a handful of games last year and was really more of a healthy scratch, just a guy to, to be around. And as a guy that's beloved in the room, a super personable, outgoing guy, Jeff, yeah. definitely the sort of guy that has the kind of character to withstand a lot of healthy scratches. But now... You know, Michael Dalcal got his chance. He was hurt. Uh, he got hurt in that game. Leo Camaro has been in and out. Tom Kunachel is back, but not ready. And I think part of him not being ready is that they do like what Ross Johnston brings. And when you watch him play, Mark, this is a guy who three or four years ago, four or five years ago, I guess, was just kind of wrapping up a a, a very nondescript Canadian junior career and signed uh, an AHL deal in the Islanders organization and has really made himself into an
1: NHL player. Yeah. It, it rem- it, it, it's. It reminds me somewhat of when playing in Minnesota when Lemaire would throw Bugard up with
0: uh, mm-hmm.
1: Dimitra and Gabrik. He could keep up. He could play. Now, I think, and nothing against my, uh, my old friend Boogie, but um, Ross has gotten, he's actually got some talent there. Like, these guys, you yeah. don't get to the NHL with just by fighting anymore nowadays. Like, you, you have to be able to play. And when you throw the guy up there with those players and they can keep up, that's enormous for teams. One, it takes, a, well, I do love that Bailey stepped up for him. But, again, everybody knows when a player like Ross is on the ice. Like, they're going to be kind of minding their P's and Q's. They're, 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 they won't be taking a run at Barzell when he's on the ice, you know, just like uh, when Bugard was on the ice with those guys. But he can play. And I think that gets lost a lot nowadays that, you know, the big heavyweights, you look at the tough guys in the NHL nowadays, they absolutely have to be able to keep up with the game. They have to be able to play. So I love the fact that Ross is getting that opportunity to show like, hey, I can do more. Like, I'm just not a big body. I'm not just physical. I can actually catch a pass. I can make a pass. I can see on the offensive side he can keep up with the game. So that, that's one of those things for makes like this guy where I kind of crossed over when there was just true heavyweights in the game, and then all of a sudden when the, the rules changed in all four, to see a guy get an opportunity like this, I love it. I, I, it's good for the game, and I love that it shows kids growing up that they can be like, you know what, hey, maybe I'm, I don't have to just get there this way, that I have to keep up, whether it's skating, skill, whatever-wise. So I absolutely love the fact that Ross has got this opportunity, and he's playing well.
0: Yeah, you know, I don't. You know, people kind of say, "Well, Matt Martin's contract is up at the end of the season. Ross has a couple more years on his." Um, is there a possibility that Ross replaces Matt Martin? It certainly is a possibility. I think you roll a lineup out with those two guys as your as two of your left wings, especially when they come on for one another. It's you're, you're not going to generate a ton of speed. You're really looking for more, more heft, uh, and a yep. guy who you know plays a very straight line game. So maybe if you start to need a little bit more. Uh, offense and creativity. It's not the, it's not the rotation you want. Um, yeah. But, but Ross has, you know, I, when Barry trots, I, I feel bad in a way when we talk to Barry trots about this, because we're trying to basically get him to say like, yeah, this guy used to be terrible and now he's less terrible. Can you, can you tell us about that? Cause that's not fair. Like you said, this is a guy who's, he's been in the NHL. He's showed that he can score in the NHL. The goal he scored against Tampa is, is yeah. not a goal that a lot of people can score. No. Um, and, uh, and he knows where to go. I mean, I think, I think the idea of having him with those two guys is very apparent when you watch them in the offensive zone. If Barzell's circling around, he's not going to. It's not a situation where the where the wing is is drifting off to the side, saying, "Is he going to pass to me? Is he not? Should I go here? Should I go here?" Ross Johnson goes right to the front of the net yep. and just parks his big keister there and gets in front of the goalie and starts jousting with the defenseman, and that right. creates room for Barzell and Bailey. And and which they of course you know time. I love that. That's right. That's right. (laughs) They haven't scored a ton five on five, but I think he's added something that, at least for now, they're going to go with him.
1: A physicality. He brings that physicality, and like you said, to go along with that too. Uh, That's why I I was fortunate enough, because, I mean, not that I was even remotely close to as big and as strong as Ross, but, but skilled guys like to know exactly what their players, the guys on their ice are doing. There is no doubt with Ross when he when when he's going into the zone he's driving that net hard he is stopping right there and for Barzell to just know that to have that in the back of his head like that's a piece of cake that's easy to play with it makes it makes you where you can just play with any skilled guy in the league cuz uh, it's funny when sometimes you get a line with all skilled guys they all kind of you think that it works out well but they all kind of overthink it because they're like, all right, where is he going to go now? He's a creative guy. Here's this and that. Whereas, to, as a point to, to go back to what you were saying, like with Ross, just going to that net, planting right in front of that net, that makes the game, and that opens up space for Barzell even more. Because he knows where it's going. He knows where he's going to open up ice. A D-man's got to go with him so he can he can favor that, that wing side, knowing that there's going to be space opened up with how big and physical Ross is and how predictable he is. We're gonna talk about the Taylor Hall trade here in a few minutes, but first, let's talk about erectile dysfunction. It isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Belmont and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to getRoman.com slash Belmont to get a free online visit and free two day shipping. That's getroman.com slash Belmont for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash Belmont.
0: Well, we've you know, we've covered the Josh Hosang-Oliver Wallstrom situation, little Ross Johnston. I think all of these things that we're circling around um, that are of concern to Islanders fans um, and maybe even concerned to Lou Lamarillo is that this is a forward group that is maybe not as fully baked as the Islanders would like it to be. As successful as they've been this year, they're still very much a 11-forward-a-night team or 10-forward-a-night team. I mean, it, you know, you don't need... All four lines rolling perfectly to win two one three one games, which is what they've been doing really, or winning games in overtime. It's, it maybe is a little taxing on some of their regular guys, but I think for the long haul, uh, to try to find another scorer, uh, you know, and we talked about this not long ago. Um, you know, the trade market didn't seem like it was heating up, but then Taylor Hall was sat out of a couple of road games for the Devils in Colorado and Arizona, and the fecul- speculation got started. Uh, and now he's an Arizona Coyote. And I think just to revisit some of the trade market ideas that we talked about, now that there's a, there is a move, the biggest piece is moved, uh, and we can debate whether or not it needed to be moved right now, but um, he, Taylor Hall has gone from New Jersey. The market has somewhat been set, I think, for some of those next-tier guys, whether you're talking about a Chris Kreider for the Rangers, uh, John Gabriel Pajot in Ottawa, um, maybe some of the lesser guys that we talked about, Riley Nash in Columbus or uh, Tyler Ennis also in Ottawa, maybe even an Anthony Duclair who's been on a, a crazy run and it's a uh, restricted free agent next year who's going to be ready to cash in. He's, he's up to 18 goals right now. Yeah. So, there, so there's still some guys out there, Jason Zucker maybe in Mini if they start to fall back a little more, Tyler Toffoli in LA. Yep. Um, what does this Taylor Hall trade say to you about? what these guys can command and whether the Islanders are willing to, you know, kind of disturb the, the chemistry or, or the, what they've built this last year plus, because they haven't really made any trades since, since last season began. And, uh, and whether this is a team that needs a little something more.
1: Uh, I tell you what, if, if if you're looking for help, this is a, this is a good market right now. It's, it's a, yeah. it's a buyer's market with, with uh, the trade for Hall uh, no, no no, offense to anything that went there for him, but that being said, I'm I, I pretty surprised uh, at, at their hurry to make a trade uh, and what they got. I, I really thought, you know, for the reason of, of you would expect this time of year, it's before Christmas, it's before the freeze, then that it, it, it would be desperation uh, to make a trade like that, not from New Jersey, but from Phoenix, and right. for what they got right now, holy cow, it's a buyer's market. I mean, right now, you sit back and wait. It'll be interesting to, because of the way it worked out, uh, it'll be interesting to see how teams play it that are looking to to get youth. They're looking to trade the Pajos, the Toffolis. If if Zucker is one of those guys that ends up going for Minnesota now, like uh, I feel like they're kind of almost forced – to sit back and wait to the last minute. But I think last year with the, with the the stones and the, the, you know, the, the trades that happened, it almost, it seems like it's already scared teams off to wait to the last minute. But man, uh, if, if you're a buyer right now, you're in, you're in a good situation.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, talking, like I said, sitting down with Lou Amarillo for a piece that's going to come out in a couple of days, you know, he's, he's not going to, give too much away about the trade market or how he feels about their you know, the the pool of assets the Islanders have to deal with, or even if he feels like they need to make a trade. But we, you know, sort of generally talked about how it is to make a trade and and he didn't have to remind me that Lou has made some very big deals in season, certainly with the Devils he did. He made a couple Mm -hmm. of nice moves at the deadline in Toronto. I remember when he got Brian Boyle for the Leafs there and they almost upset the caps a few years ago. Uh, so he understands the market and understands the, the world of the salary cap and how to navigate it but i think the prospect pool for, for the islanders is still something that's that's maybe not you know they they're, they're going to have to give up a good uh, a good one of their good prospects to to get one of these rentals and and that's not to say like you said i don't think the return of the actual players was really mm. the key to the taylor hall deal i think it's that it's that 2021st rounder That Arizona gave up. That the Devils are going to be rooting hard for them to hit the skids and make it a nicer pick, (laughs) and also rooting hard for, conversely, the Coyotes to make the playoffs and win around, and for Taylor Hall to love it there and stay. And so that the 2021 pick that's (laughs) that's, uh, could become in play. So, um, but but I think what helped the Coyotes there was just having a, a variety of prospects. A variety of guys. Yeah. I, I think the big defenseman, Kevin Ball, is kind of the guy you, you look at, at that the three players that went to Jersey and say, that's got, that guy's probably got the best chance, but he's not a, he's not above a, a B prospect. And the other two guys, a former first rounder, Nick Merkley, who's been in the, in the minors for three plus years and it, for a bad Coyotes team and never really gotten a sniff uh, of the NHL. Um, you know, that's, that's probably someone that's akin to a Kiefer Bellows maybe in the Islanders organization. Yep. Um, not, not the. If you're the Islanders, yes, the first guy you want to be offer in a deal with along with a first round pick. If you're, if you're looking for Pajot or Kreider or Toffoli, but not necessarily the guy that the other team is going to say, let's definitely that's that's our guy. I, you know, I also in talking to Lou, he said well, there were trades to be made uh, last year uh, at the deadline, um, but there were players that they weren't willing to give up, and I think he doesn't have to give any yeah. details to know that Noah Dobson is one of them. Oliver Wallström is another one. Uh, maybe even Bodie Wild is a guy that uh, they weren't willing to part with yet, not knowing what they had in him, and they still really don't. So uh, the Islanders have some good prospects, and I think if you looked at the at the at the overall talent level, their prospect pool between those three guys and Ilya Sorokin over in over in Russia, who may still be coming over here at the end of the yep. season, um, they have the potential to have very good regular players in their lineup for a long time. But, but I think when you get to this level and you say, okay, these guys are off limits now choose from the rest. The rest is not going to make anybody sit up and take notice. And that, and that I think the coyotes had that for years of being bad and building up their prospect base. I think if you look at some of the other teams that might be in there swinging for, for rentals, I think Colorado can say that too. They've, they've not really mortgaged any of their future in a long, long time. Um, and my has helped that now. Yeah, now. they you know, look I at think my
1: car and the way he stepped up and now they might, might be willing to.
0: Right. And I think another team that that that's sitting pretty right now is the Bruins. Uh, you know, they need yeah. a lot of those young guys, but they have they have a very deep prospect pool for a team that's as competitive for the Stanley Cup year after year as they've been the last couple of years. I think people tend to forget now that they're back to being the dominant Bruins team that they had a three or four yeah. year stretch where they weren't really competitive at all and banked a lot of picks and. Um, I think they're they're in a good spot to make a move. So I think the Islanders are, are not just competing uh, to sell other teams on their prospect pool. They're competing with these other teams mm-hmm. that are going to be buyers who maybe have deeper prospect pools and can and are willing more willing to pull a B B minus prospect out of a
1: group that's a lot that's a lot fuller, I guess, than than the Islanders yeah. one. And yeah, and and that's uh, these are the moments where the GMs really earn their money. Is all right. So obviously, it's you know, build your team from the inside. You, you, you got to draft well. You have to develop well. You, you, you know, you got to have that grassroots uh, in your organization that's doing very well to be competitive. But then, when do you flip the switch and say, why well, are we going for it this year? Is this the team? And, and, and like you said, the, the, the name, the, the team that jumps to right away is Boston because of where they're at losing game seven at home last year against the blues, that's a tough team to compete against when it comes to a trade deadline deal because they're feeling the most confident about their team. Obviously with the way they're playing right now, uh, posture knock is just, he's on another planet for crying out loud. Uh, you know, like, so that it makes it easier for that organization to be like, all right, here we're doing this now. So they can maybe levy that, you know, they can, all right, here's our prospects. Well, uh, hey, we can sacrifice a prospect if that's if the return is a Stanley Cup. I mean, that's, that, that's an easy decision. But the problem is you don't know for sure if you're going to win that Stanley Cup. So when you're, you're the Islanders and you're sitting here competing not only against the Bruins night in and night out on the game or in the league, but you're also competing against them for a trade, that makes it very hard for Lou and for other teams, especially the Eastern Conference, to be like – Do we really want to risk it against Boston right now? If they can give, you know, they can add more to their team. They can give up more to go for it right now. Those are the hardest decisions for jams to make.
0: Yeah, you know, I think when you look at the kind of the well-worn names, you know, I I don't think Chris Kreider is a real possibility to make that crosstown deal. Even though we (laughs) talked about he's he's got a lot of the a lot of the attributes that you want in a guy to jump right into a room. You know, for my money, uh, and it's not my money. Uh, or my assets or my <laughs> future first round pick so i can speak as freely as i'd like but we get um, to judge them for it and of course we get to we get to have all of our opinions um <laughs> I, I for me tyler Toffoli is probably the guy among the remaining group that i'd want i think playing being part of successful la teams that play maybe a little bit heavier version of the islanders structure he's familiar with it i think he's he's not uh He's not a very—he's an, not an overly flashy guy. I think he can fit right into a room with uh, with a very distinct structure and style, uh, and he's got the offensive skill. So I think yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna spend that first round pick plus a, a prospect, um, I think he's probably the guy that you want to focus on, and and we'll see where it all goes. You know, it, huh? it's uh, it's been an interesting. Like we said, it's it still it still seems a little strange that uh, that Jersey felt like they needed to make this move before yeah. the holiday freeze, and we could go another month month and a half without seeing any other deals because the deadline is still two months away. So for sure, um, like you said, it's it's definitely a a winning situation for the team that gets Taylor Hall because they got two extra months of Taylor Hall, and yep. I think it's going to help Arizona in a pretty weak Pacific Division, uh, and they've already been real good so far this year. But I don't necessarily know if that's gonna, if this is gonna open the floodgates suddenly for, for make, to make Christmas the new, the new <laughs> NHL trade deadline where everybody's gonna feel like they got to make a move by now. Um, but yeah, so you know I think uh, we talked about whether the Islanders need a winger or a, or a, a bona fide number three center. I think all that stuff is still on the table depending on what they cost. But if you're if you're just sort of in a vacuum identifying a guy. That I think would help them the most. I think Tyler Toffoli is that guy. He's a right, you know, he's a righty, plays the right side. They're they're a little bit more deficient over there, playing a lot of lefties on the offside. Yep. Um, I think he's a guy that that would really order their top nine as uh, the best that they could with bringing in somebody from outside. Agreed.
1: Agreed. I wouldn't, and I, I don't think Jason Zucker would look too bad in the blue orange either.
0: I no. Like the speed no I speed he'd bring to the
1: table. I'd, I'd like to, you know, left, you give that left shot, you know, the guy that's, uh, that's scored goals, whether he's getting power play time or not. And just the speed, the way that, you know, it's, it's today's NHL, the, the, he brings in even more speed. And it just seems that when you come down the stretch and you're going into the playoffs going for a cup run, it always seems like the faster team just seems to pull it off.
0: Yeah, I think the prohibitive part with Zucker is is the five point five million yes. in the next three three years, and so I imagine that yep. that would lower the cost too. Exactly, uh, it, help, it helps many with their with their cap situation going forward. With they want to start to to play around with with new players at the end of the season, and I'm sure that they will. It, it, they don't seem like they're going to be a very successful team this year, and they're kind of been better late, yeah, um, keeping their
1: head above water.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I think if you're <laughs> if you're looking at a Zucker wh- who I agree fits very well with what the Islanders want to do, he's a tenacious guy, kills penalties, has the speed, can score goals. Uh, but you're committing for a, a pretty yep. long time with him, and that can, yep. that'll be restrictive going yep. forward. So I'm not so sure that's the the best avenue for the Islanders if they're going to rent. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it's a Foley or or yep. someone of that ilk is uh, is probably where you want to go, and. Um, we would be remiss if we didn't mention Ilya Kovalchuk who by the time this thing airs may already have a new home as he's (laughs) uh, cleared unconditional waivers and he's done being an LA king Uh, the Bruins have been a team that's been mentioned with him and I I, you know obviously he's got a connection Lou signed him to that incredible deal in New Jersey and he helped him get to a cup final so he he did succeed in some ways there but uh, outside of that connection I don't know that current Ilya Kovalchuk is the right fit for this group where everybody's got a role and everybody contributes in different ways. You see Derek Broussard out there killing penalties, something he's never done. I think Ilya Kovalchuk couldn't, couldn't be somebody a little bit different than he needed to be in LA. Who's terrible. I don't know that you suddenly put him on the Islanders whose structure is, is super successful. And you command
1: a a super
0: creative and skilled guy like Kovalchuk to play a little bit of a different way. I don't know if
1: that's going to work for sure. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden he just heads back to the KHL.
0: Yeah, I could see the Bruins taking a shot at it because they do have, uh, they have such an interesting structure to their team. They have such a dominant line, and like you mentioned, Pasternak, the most elite goal scorer, the hottest goal scorer in the league right now. But I think they have room to to kind of keep Kovalchuk pretty sheltered uh, when it comes to five on five. They got a great group of defensemen. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I think I think if you're bringing him in to be a guy who can ignite your power play, and maybe. Play a few other shifts five on five. That's probably the only team that can afford to do it. And and obviously bringing him in for whatever a league a veteran min- minimum of some kind doesn't hamper them from trying to do something else other other either than just having another warm body on the roster. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, and they move on. But uh, very true. I don't see the I, I don't see the Islanders disrupting what no. they have to take a, take a flyer on that. No. Team. Uh. Well, I think we've. Uh, we covered some interesting stuff. We have. We've been all this over the a map good, here. I like it, buddy. I, I'd like. Uh, I'd like some more news to happen before we get back <laughs> together. Again. It makes it flow nice. Uh, so uh, my thanks, as always, to everyone listening out there. Mark Parish over in beautiful Secaucus, New Jersey. You have a good time. Out always, there. always. And and uh, and me here staring down at the big. Uh, Islanders logo on the ice here for Islanders uh, Predators tonight at the Coliseum. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you again soon.